0: Welcome to the Robot Love Podcast.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Brian Venegas, and welcome to our latest edition of Robot Love. Tonight, I have a very special guest. His name is Michael Romero. He's a bit of an expert and a bit of an enthusiast. He collects comics, rare ones, signed ones, pretty much anything that you might want to find at a Comic-Con or in general at your local comic store. He's also an aficionado on comic products, a.k.a collectibles, statuettes, limited edition things, and I want to talk to him a little bit about that tonight, so welcome.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone.
1: Excellent. Well, hi, Michael. Thanks for, uh, for joining us. I want to start out a little bit by asking you to go ahead and give me a couple uh, seconds or a minute or so. And tell me how you started collecting items. Tell me, you know, what your childhood was like regarding comics and collectibles in general. It could be action figures or whatever else uh, kind of motivated you to start doing this.
0: Yeah, so what really got me started was my dad. Like, that was his passion when he was growing up. He was really big into comic books. And I remember the first comic he gave me was The Ghost Rider, which is kind of a funny comic to really start giving your child Mm -hmm. at a really young (laughs) age the premise of it um but that's where it kind of started and then eventually he started getting me more comics and then my mom was very you know very good with me about it too and so she would like you know because i'd always watch the x-men series in the 90s spider-man in the 90s you know and i grew up with like he-man transformers x-men mm-hmm. so, or, and then also the um ninja turtles so that's really where a lot of it got started so i started collecting like a bunch of the Ninja turtle figures. And then, and really, you know, being young, I didn't actually realize what I was kind of doing until I really started getting into getting comic cards. And so I started getting like the Marvel comics or the DC comic cards and then just, it kind of built from there. And then we'd go to the comic book store all the time and we would just, my mom would like, just, we would go together and look at the different cards series that were out and we would just buy the box of cards. And then we would just kind of take them home and open up all the individual packages and just set them all out and get them kind of organized and then build a set. And then it kind of started from there.
1: Yeah. It's funny how, um, parents, um, especially moms, it seems will, will save up and, you know, kind of budget for, um, their children's, uh, toy obsessions or things that, you know, they're really interested in. I remember my mom, we had very little money, but I was uh interested in, you know, even younger uh, Snoopy action figures and then
0: he- yeah, and it was just really cool cuz like at least, you know, my mom was always a true believer of just not like I I'm not able to get something every single time we go, but you know at least once or twice a month when we would go to the store, she would at least let me get like the Toy Biz X-Men figures or a Spider-Man figure. So that kind of helped build that collection for me and I still actually have the majority of those like figures down in my mom's basement, like in
1: a big, huge bin. Nice. Nice. And that's kind of where they wind up the early ones. I know that, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't really into keeping them in the package. And ironically, my dad, when we started uh, collecting said, you know, you need to keep these in the package. One of his moments of, uh, of kind of brilliance looking forward because people really didn't do that. And there were star Wars figures. Mm-hmm. And he always told me, you know, it's probably better if you keep them in the package. And I'm like, really? No, I don't think so. I think I'm going to play with these. So um, yeah. <laughs> I, I ended up, I took better care than my brother did. My brother would end up doing kind of the, the normal teenage boy uh, destroying things with firecrackers and things. I mean, for the most part, I would keep mine pretty complete, you know, he man and dungeons of dragons figures and, you know, different things like that. I think, for a while, I had some wrestling figures and things like that, but you know, mainly the most popular nice. ones like Star Wars and things. Now, I'm going to preface this conversation by saying that I did not collect DC Marvel, and I did not have a lot of, um, I wouldn't say interest, but I didn't have a lot of exposure to it because we were so into Star Wars. But I would say that mm-hmm. uh, I remember, and this, this may age me a bit, and I'm not sure if you remember this, the original Spider-Man television show. I do you remember
0: that Spider Man and Friends?
1: <laughs> it's, well, not even that. It was a Spider Man drama, it was a, a live action Spider Man show. Um, oh,
0: I never actually got to see that.
1: Yeah, look it up on YouTube. It's really weird. And uh, so there was that. And, you know, I watched Justice League, you know, on the cartoon side. and You know, I, mm-hmm. I would do that. And of course, um, Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby and The Incredible Hulk, which was an astounding series for me i remember watching it with my parents and just being like uh, listening to the end music it's kind of like listening to the end music of mash you're like wow this is the most depressing thing in the world and he just keeps drifting on to the next town um because of our slight age difference when you were let's say you were 10 um what are the shows that you watched most that were somewhat comic related or superhero related Uh, what are the things that interested you the most
0: Yeah, so when I was 10, let's see, so I would have had Batman the Animated Series, would have had the X-Men series, would have had Spider-Man, trying to think of who else it would have been. Those are the big ones. And then also like Iron Man Hulk. So I had a lot of those ones, like in the early 90s. So that was really nice to have those growing up. So that way, like, I didn't only just have, like, just the comic books, I had my, you know, a live action version of well like you know an animated version of my characters that i love growing up with
1: yeah yeah and i think that that's uh that's one thing that kind of makes this transition into these new movies a little bit different a lot of millennials um and i know you're older than the millennials i think you're still probably a gen mm-hmm. xer right um, i'm so,
0: I, i'm like right on 83 so I'm like age difference right there
1: <laughs> yeah they actually have like a two-year period two or three-year period between the millennials and Gen X where they've got a special name for it. I, I get lost with that, but, um, so the millennials, true millennials who are getting into superheroes, they've always been exposed to something like a live action film or, um, kind of the more sophisticated comics, um, in their lifetime. But, you know, for us, it was definitely, um, a lot different. I mentioned the Spider-Man television show, um, -hmm. going back, but going back to the Superman, um, the original Superman, um, live action shorts between films and, you know, even farther back the, um, the Superman uh, comics that were, that were shown. And I believe, uh, I'm sorry, uh, animated series that were shown. Have you ever seen Superman, the original cartoon, the one that was done in kind of the 1940s cutting edge style, full color? Have you ever seen that? It's the oldest Superman um, animated mm-hmm. work. Um, what do you think about that? It, I think it's a lot more sharp and there's a lot more craftsmanship than some of the things that came after it.
0: I agree. I think they were, it was very sharp and I think it was very innovative at the time. Cause I mean, that wasn't a huge thing in like DC and then also like Marvel wasn't quite around yet, but they wanted to make sure that people were more exposed to it. Cause a lot of people just thought that the comics were just for kids and they're really not. I mean, they're for adults. They're for everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they, they definitely are. And fast forward a little bit. To where you were, you were talking about, you know, this was your dad's passion, um, uh, collecting these, these figures and so forth. Right now, and I've been to the vault, I call it, where you have all of your collectibles. <laughs> it's a vault, you know, It's it's, uh, it, and we won't. It is, we won't, it is. <laughs> we won't say where it's located. It's probably off-site, I don't know. Um, who knows? Who knows, who knows? It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like the Batcave. Um, you have a collection and cases, you know, I know you worked for Oakley for a while and you were able to get some of those really cool end cap display cases and some mm-hmm. of revolving ones, um, of your collection. Let's start with comic books. Now I know that you've been pretty savvy as far as I can see, um, and invested a little bit more money than the average collector on things like comic books that are special. I, I didn't see a lot of garbage in your collection. A lot of these things were well thought out. Um, some of them were signed, some of them were um, limited edition prints that were signed, some of them were actual commissions from Comic-Cons. What is the core collection that you have? Is it DC Marvel? Is it mixed? Is it more um, limited edition? Um, Is it more, um, I know you have books, uh, portfolios of other things. So break down kind of what the majority of your comic uh, collection consists of.
0: Yeah, so the majority of my comic collection consists of Marvel. Um, I've just been a huge fan of Marvel since growing up. Um, I think the stories felt more complex to me, even just as a kid, like I, I they were all very deep for me. So a lot of my stuff is going to be Marvel based. Um, and like one of, like one of my favorite comics that I own was the first appearance of Deadpool. Mm. And at the time, like, you know, back in what was at 1987, 1988, when he came out for the new mutants, 98 was his first appearance. Like no one knew who he was. Everyone just thought this guy was Spider-Man. Even when I bought the toy, everyone was just like, who's this Spider-Man guy with sores? This is weird. Yeah. And he just wasn't big, which was hilarious. I mean, especially now with his movies and everything, it's just like night and day. I was kind of glad that it happened, but at the same time, it's like, oh, now I kind of, it took away from that original character that I knew of.
1: Um, Tell me a little bit about the movie as compared to the original material. I know that the sense of humor is very similar. Yeah. So the movie humor is more based off
0: of the later stuff from like 90, 798 all the way to current Marvel Comics stuff, um, where he's more of a jokester. And the original version of Deadpool, he was not a jokester. He would tell jokes, but it was just more to like to throw off his enemies. So like when he was fighting Cable, when he was fighting Kane, when he was fighting X Factor, you know the New Mutants, he would just throw stuff in there to throw them off. So in that way, they weren't a, like it, they couldn't focus on what they were doing. So that's going to be the big difference from. The original deadpool to the newer style of him which granted i love the new style of him it's hilarious and how you were saying that you were a little surprised with ryan reynolds if you watch blade trinity i felt like i was watching a deadpool movie oh new. gotcha like when he was in there he when he was a uh, cable or able whatever the heck his name was in that movie yeah. he was that he was deadpool i mean when he said talked about the vampire pomeranians
1: who else would have thought of that besides Deadpool? <laughs> and, and who can actually uh, relate to that with Pomeranians? Exactly, which
0: I don't know. I you know me um, for one, <laughs>
1: which was even funnier because I have a Pomeranian. So, uh, moving on from Deadpool a little bit, I, I'm really interested in what your opinion is, and we'll uh, we'll start out with uh, DC versus. Um, marvel from your collection i want to go back and talk about your collection a little bit uh give me your most prized dc signed comic figure whatever it is and uh the same for marvel Ooh, so
0: my most i don't actually have anything signed from dc per se but i would say probably my most prized dc was the death of superman so i do have that still packaged up in the black wrapper with the Bloody Red S. I have that actually put away over at my mom's house. Nice. So that would probably be it. And then also that same collection from the Death of Superman, like all the issues from that, and then also the Return of Superman, the, the Supermen. So I, that would probably be that. And then probably for Marvel would be my Death of Wolverine collection. would yep. probably be that, because um, the Death of Wolverine issue one had 22 different covers. Really? And I managed to get all of those... That was a little bit over obsessiveness by myself, but I was thinking it's four, you know, four comics in the series, not going to be horrible. But then I spent actually a decent amount on it. Keep telling
1: yourself that, man. Yeah, that's you know. that's how you <laughs> spend a fortune. Yeah,
0: that's usually what happened. But luckily, one of them that was extremely rare. It was they only made five hundred co- covers of it. I had Stan Lee signed right before he passed away a few years ago at Denver Comic Con. So that was yeah. cool. So that's why that was like my that's my prize part of my
1: collection which uh you have several things that sign uh that are signed by Stanley. i do and it all happened at the same time because he originally was supposed to go to
0: denver comic con the second year i remember that and then he didn't show up to it because um, he was actually filming a spider-man movie um so he wasn't able to show up for that and then i went out to san diego comic con and he happened to be out there again but then i missed him because he canceled because he was sick yeah And so the last time it was like a couple of two or three years ago, he was at Denver Comic-Con again. And so that's when I finally actually got to meet him. And it was just great to actually finally meet an idol of mine.
1: Yeah. And on a previous podcast, I was speaking to um, Daryl Shakely a little bit about what it's like to to meet people and what their personas are. Um, There are two kind of celebrity interactions, I think. There's the first kind, which is, oh, my gosh, take the picture. Try to smile 800 times. I kind of need the dough. And then some of the more interactive people that really are interested in talking to you, um, which one was Stanley? He was the um, – I would say he was the more of the latter
0: of that he was actually genuinely happy to be there. Like he had different interactions with everyone. He, I could just hear him just like when he was talking. He would just like have – different interactions like he would just like talk to a little child differently and be like oh hopefully you're continuing reading this and with me i told him thank you know whenever i meet a celebrity i'm just very calm with them i don't feel like i need to Mm -hmm. boast them just like thank you for being they're just people they're just people i treat them like people so and his response was he just told actually i I will always remember this he told me that i wrote all those stories and created all those characters for you do it in a stanley voice (laughs) Hey there, true believer. I created all those comics just for you. I gave out about a six
1: out of a ten. That was pretty good, though. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. That's what we do here at Robot Love. Um, what other celebrities have you met comic-related? I know that you've got quite a few. Um, you've got commissions. Mm-hmm. you got some commissions. You've got some some sign panels. Um, other people in the comic world, um, either in the movies, are, you know, obviously illustrators or other people who are involved that some of them are actually kind of celebrities themselves Mm -hmm. who are collectors Um, name your other favorite interaction either at comic-con or wherever else you meet these these people
0: so I definitely have a um, man I really have so I'll I'll tell you one comic one and I'll tell you one like celebrity one sure my my favorite celebrity interaction was Snoop Dogg I got to meet him over I was 18 years old met him over at uh, what was that Tower Records over at Cherry Creek me and my friend would just happen to be in there wow. shopping, and we look back and see it was Snoop Dogg, and he was shopping because he was here for a tour. Nice. And so it was just a funny whole. The whole entire interaction was funny because my friend, he ended up like seeing him, and he's like, "I'm gonna go talk to Snoop." <laughs> and I told him, I was like, "You know, that's kind of a bad idea. I, let's let's not do that. I'm gonna do it anyway." So he starts walking, nice. up and Snoop's giant bouncer that's like six, seven, six, eight. Walks up and tells him, where do you think you're going? Like, you guys are a threat. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we're 18 year old, Like, practically suburban kids at that time. And so he tells him that he can't go see him. He looks at me and was like, oh, I don't know this guy at all. And I continue looking through the CDs. <laughs> and then at the end, Snoop was like, okay, cool. Sign autographs for everyone. So everyone goes through and everything. And then my friend, he walks up to him. And this is, again, this is why I learned to just, like, treat him like a real person. He yeah. walks up. He's like, "Snoop, you the man, dog." <laughs> <laughs> and Snoop just wow. looked, yeah. Snoop just wa- was looked at him. and Was just
1: like, "I, I," signed his thing. <laughs> that's an ambiguous answer. I has so many different uh, oh sub subtext to it. Um, but yeah, that's actually that's a really cool uh, celebrity story. I, I yeah. really can't think of. Um, you know, I had a couple. Uh, good celebrity stories one was um, Keanu Reeves I met Keanu Reeves gosh it must have been 1994 and I was working as a cook here uh, in a local pizza place and there used to be uh, nights I think it was every Wednesday was industry night so industry night as you probably know mm-hmm. you go to different bars that some of them were dives some of them are you know maybe owned by the other um, the chain that you work for you typically get like a two-for-one on a beer or half off in a shot. You know, the theme is basically cooks and waiters and waitresses are alcoholics. So uh, <laughs> you go to these different places, and we were at this bar. I don't remember what it what it was called, but it was at one of the hotels. And this was – Deborah was a lot different in the early 90s. Oh, completely. It was a completely different animal. And I remember sitting there, and I had long hair, envision it, and uh, my buddy Steve had long hair. And I look over, and I believe – Keanu Reeves was touring with his band. Okay. Now, I know a lot about him now from interviews, and I actually respect him a lot. He was a little bit more of a wild character back then. And all I remember is him walking up to the bar, and they were wasted. And he's asking me if I um, had any weed. And I didn't. And I didn't really have a lot of weed at that time. Um, So... What we said was, no, we don't have weed, but you know, buy you a drink or whatever else. And you know, I think we bought him a drink and you know, he laughed and went back. Let's just say it got rowdy. We did last call plus industry, let you do another 15 20 minutes and then um, we're leaving. And um, yeah, driving away. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this story has turned into its own like <laughs> trap. Uh, so we're driving away and the well, I look back in my rearview mirror and I see I see Keanu Reeves running towards me, dude, dude. And I'm like, wow, he really wants to talk to me. No. He starts banging on the back of my car, <laughs> my uh, Saturn, um, and then turned and mooned me. And I was like, man, this is going to make a great story in about 25 <laughs> years. Uh, so there was that and I had... I had a really good, uh, maybe three four hours with Sebastian Bach um, at the Knitting Factory. Okay. Um, on Hollywood Boulevard, and um, man, I can't remember the name of the guy. He's he was the uh, he was in Black Flag. and He was also in Circle Jerks, and uh, he was the bass player and lead singer, I believe, in Circle Jerks. Okay. Anyway, all we all we talked about was, and you were talking about celebrities or just people. We were talking mostly about the Denver Broncos versus the Oakland Raiders. And he was a, a Raiders fan. I was a Bronco fan. It's just bizarre. One of the founders of punk music. Guy was in Black Flag. Just wanted to talk uh, football. I tried to talk <laughs> music with him, but he he wasn't interested. Um, I mean, football's life. Football's life. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is for him, too. Spashenbach was kind of a weird character because uh, he didn't really talk to us at first. And then, like, the more martinis were flowing, he started, like, Hey man, you guys are the best ever. We got to go party. That's my Sebastian Bach impression. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you guys, you guys are. I'm like, no, no, we're heading back to Denver. He's like, ah, oh, if you're ever back in town, let me know. Well, obviously, before cell phones, there was no way for me to let him know. But he was cool. You know, at the end, you know, we all kind of staggered out of there and had a great time. That was kind of my interaction, which you know, fortunately, it wasn't one of those. You know, I had a friend that had. A Kiefer Sutherland interaction. They ended up like in a car, asleep with Kiefer Sutherland, and then like getting kicked out of a party. <laughs> anyway, so um, Isn't that there was always those stories. There's always those stories. <laughs> That's how it is on Robot Love. We just kind of do this nice circular. Um, storytelling venture uh going back to so stanley um you had three four pieces signed you had things you could buy there Mm -hmm. did you really bring anything in or you just bought things there
0: so when i got the um autograph they already gave me um like a giant lithograph that's the one that's hanging up in my living room yeah um so they gave me that and then also they gave me a comic for him to sign too well i didn't realize he was gonna like sign multiple things so nice I, he signed both those for me. Well, then the next day I still wanted to get like my death Wolverine signed cause I didn't actually think I could have, you know, something that he, sure you know, something that I wanted signed. So he ended up, uh, I went back the next day, he signed it for me again, same great interaction Stocked with him. him. Yeah. You know, stalked him, uh, you know, had a picture with him. And so that's k- kind of the experience with getting that stuff signed. Cause I always thought about buying it offline, but that takes away from the experience, yeah. of it and that was just kind of like the part that i didn't want to miss out on mm-hmm. um and granted it's uh you know it's a little bit of a costly experience but at the same time it was stan lee
1: and this was pre-married yes pre-married
0: <laughs> obviously <laughs>
1: since you have a child and, and there are definitely things that uh are expensive in life one of them being my, children and
0: my collection slowed down significantly since
1: <laughs> full disclosure i um was on uh the first part of this podcast we were doing it via the interface that i have um over cell phone and uh there's a lot of traffic right now whatever we were having some technical problems i'm sure you can tell in the first uh segment that there's going to be some editing things uh, some weird editing things but hopefully i can smooth it out quite a bit but i'm in the vault now believe it or not so i am at uh at michael's vault and i'm kind of looking around at all the uh the end caps and the different figurines and so forth It looks to me like you have two categories of figurines. It doesn't look like you have a lot of vintage in the box. It seems like you have a lot of the, I would call them sculptural limited edition Mm -hmm. figures. Um, I know that a lot Spawn kind of started that uh, that tradition. Um, I see that you have uh, a lot of now. Is there a tradition in some of these with taking uh, comic book classic comic book? um characters dc and marvel and making them almost uh a japanese experience a little bit more like a manga experience because some of these figures seem like they're 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 done in that style of the japanese figure collection
0: yeah so that's um a certain line that they came out with um so i'll probably butcher the name of it but it's koda bukai uh bushijo is the um uh, collection is that what i have um they did marvel dc um, they have a horror series out. they have Street Fighter, they have Tekken. Um, they're starting to do a few other pieces of it and they just wanted to make these comic um, style char- or these comic characters into an anime style character So that way people like kind of even got more excited because anime has gotten so big recently over the last you know 10, 15 years that that's even blown up even more so more people are wanting to buy it and putting the two worlds together. Yeah that was a smart idea of them. And, yeah, because they're, like, with a lot of the stuff that you're looking at right now. And also, full disclosure, he had to have a um, hood over his head to come into the vault. Um, he has Yeah, to know- I,
1: I'm not really sure where it is, but I do think that I heard people I know in his family. So, yeah, you just put it together. Yeah, you know. It's somewhere around <laughs> there. So, yeah. And so a lot of, like, and what really got me
0: started on this collection was I was out in San Diego Comic-Con, and there was a piece that they had there, and I picked it up, and... Because for a long time, I really didn't collect statues because I didn't have a place to put them. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of the older ones too, um, but I just have those put away just because they're more fragile, they're more valuable. Where these ones are PVC and plastic, the other ones are plaster. So that made yeah. a huge difference for me
1: of keeping which ones out and around. And uh, quite a collection of Master Chief um, figures and things dedicated in the Xbox world. Tell me a little bit about... Are you an online Xbox player? I am. i
0: huge into uh, Halo, um, especially, mm-hmm. like, as you can see right there. Halo Reach is one of my favorite games that I ever played. Um, and I just always love that series. I got into that in high school, so that was kind of the thing to do in high school. Yeah. Go home after school, have the four-player mode going on, the split screen, and just play with your friends. Absolutely. And so, you know, that just, like, kind of built kind of my life with video games, too. I mean, I grew up playing video games. um, my dad got me my Nintendo, got me my Genesis, Super Nintendo, and then I just progressed on from there. So Yeah,
1: and uh, to be honest, I just started playing games online, and my brother Jeff is a huge online gamer, and he does do Halo online, and he does quite a few other um, games online. So I bought the Gold Pass, I think it's called, and yep. I bought the you know Game On Demand or mm-hmm. whatever it is, the Game Pass. Uh, and he always wanted me to join him with Halo, and we never got to that point because he's on the East Coast and our schedules are a little bit different. I did start playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which I don't know. If you, have you had the chance to play that? I haven't,
0: um, mainly because I have a child now. I literally bought like three games recently and I played them for five minutes each, so I haven't had a chance. I've gotten set up, so.
1: Yeah, no, it, you yeah. know. I uh, I went ahead and, and decided to uh, take the. They plunge and go ahead and, and get online and start playing people, and it's amazing. The world in Red Dead Redemption 2 is incredible, and the character-building aspect is incredible. And um, I'm terrible at it because uh, these people have been trained, and there are a lot of younger people because sometimes, although I'm on mute microphone-wise, I can hear younger people oh, yeah. in different languages from all over the world, which is an astounding thing that we can be playing in the same you know virtual reality form. And then I realized how old I was, and I'm 45 years old, and I'm taking a break uh, from my work at home situation to play this online game. (laughs) So, um, but I'm terrible at it because unlike the the most games, there there's no radar. You can't see where other players are. And I mean, is that pretty typical of online? Yeah, most games
0: will have a radar, so it's impossible, which is definitely hard. And yeah, no, I I I feel you because whenever I'm not playing video games, like. I feel like a noob. A lot of the times, like, if I haven't played a game in a long time, I hop back on. I'm like, why am I not good anymore? Yeah. And so, I mean, that has been my life recently with, like, not gaming. I mean, usually I play a lot of Black Ops and Halo. Those are my main two games. And if I haven't played in months, like, I'm either not leveled up or I don't have the guns or...
1: Man, I'm out of practice. Yeah. That's all boils down to. Exactly. (laughs) And um, I did... Play a lot of these combat games in the past as I progress into middle age or I have to say that I'm, I'm well into middle age I find that I'd rather speak to people hence my podcast than, um, than really hang out and play games with them especially if I don't know them and um, yeah I, I don't I don't care for that anonymous interaction that's why I thrive on these conversations and you know you and I talked about doing this and I was super mm-hmm. excited uh, let's go back before we take a break um, for a few minutes and Let's touch we're gonna we're gonna bounce around a little yeah. bit, by what when this is something that I'm thinking of right now I, I want to speak about it talk about the Avengers Okay, because I'm sure that you are on the edge of your seat. I am after the last one and then maybe talk about why um, DC in general is making half or three-quarters of the money that that uh, Marvel movies are so start with uh, Marvel. And let's start with the Avengers. So I'll definitely
0: say the biggest difference is the continuity because DC threw all their eggs in one basket with either Superman or Batman, and so that changed the timeline a lot of the things. Um, Marvel really didn't do that that often. Like with X Men, they kept the same continuity for like the storyline. Yes, there's some things that are way off, and there's things that you yeah. can call and see. But whatever, it's a movie of things. Of course, things are going to be wrong. But the one thing that I noticed, um, me and my friend Nate are starting to watch like all the movies again, all the MCU movies, and so we started watching it in order, so we started watching Captain America the First Avenger yeah. um, just like three weeks ago, and we realized how much Marvel Studios has put into details, and yeah. those are going to be the stuff that's going to get the fan geeks and all the fanboys and the fangirls hyped and excited for stuff like this, because yeah. even just one scene alone and they're like when um red skulls disappearing the coloring of just the universe is the exact same that was in infinity war yeah and it's just crazy to like go back and watch that and see like wow i didn't even catch that and see that because it's been a few years since i've actually watched it sure and so i think it was really smart and you know to be honest i wasn't really into the avengers per se when it first came out like i watched it i enjoyed it mm-hmm. um but then i started Getting more into it and realizing, like you know, because I didn't wonder why. I wondered why they brought in Loki as the first villain because I was like, eh, that's kind of weird. But then I re- went back and I remembered. I was like, oh, that's right. In the Avengers number one comic, they were going against Loki.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I was like, okay, they're paying you know tribute to that. So that that was awesome. And so the more and more I started watching the MCU movies, um I mean, because Avengers one was a great setup of you know, the storyline of just what's happening like with not even so much the Infinity Stones yet, but about making those characters as a team where that was not something that it's never been done in comic movies, yeah. really. I mean, you have the X Men, but they're really not a a team that's together. Yeah. They're very splintered. They, they all are splintered. Their, they all have their own personalities and they fight a lot. Yeah. Where like the Avengers was like, Cool, we need to work together. So that was a huge piece of that. And then um age of ultron it just like you know kind of changed the characters and it opened that storyline for um what was it captain america um civil war um which that totally changed all the characters which it happened in the comics too where yeah. it changed the characters like significantly and it gave them a different view of what was happening like with Thanos and everything i don't like that internal conflict yeah. i don't like when folks turn <laughs> turn. it's weird it's it a weird <laughs> thing like it's and even like playing these games too recently, it's like oh, it's heroes versus heroes. That's weird to me. It's just it's an interesting like transition of how they're doing it. And then like the Infinity, uh, the Infinity War was like a great movie. Like they did a great job with how they built it, and not they kind. Of, I mean, obviously they left a lot of stuff out, but yeah. they explained it well enough for people to like understand. And even if you haven't seen the first two, you could kind of still follow it, yeah. and it's really good. And I think they're doing a great job right now of not really blowing too many plots or plot twists that are going to happen in, mm-hmm. in Endgame because I'm really excited for it. And that's why, again, I'm going through all the Marvel movies again yeah. <laughs> just to like remember, just like, okay, cool. I did Get all clues. this. Get clues. Like, I, I'm excited for Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel. Like, I'm excited for that and I'm excited for Endgame. And those are going to be a huge, like, piece of the movie. It's going to change the MCU history. Yeah. and what's what's gonna be seen and happen. I mean a lot of the characters died and I mean half the half the characters died
1: and spoiler um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the spoilers where it's like fatality. <laughs> By the way, yeah. a lot of people say do you know that Han Solo dies? Bad <laughs> I do now yeah uh, and that's that's an interesting book because that's going to be um, they're gonna have to do a lot of maneuvering around end game and of course, <clears throat> pardon me, I read a lot of the speculation and the mm. leaks and so forth, and, and there is there is some uh, talk in the fanboy community uh, regarding solutions being that they go back in time. I don't know if you've read that. Yeah, there's the
0: back-of-time one that, I mean, they're saying Dr. Strain has seen... I mean, he's seen every single possibility, only saw one that he can use yeah. that they get out of it. Um, I mean, if there's there's multiple things they could possibly do. It's a new universe, which is a smart move on their part not strictly sticking to the comic books because I mean you have other, you'd have to add so many more characters into it and I don't know if they have time to do that there's,
1: there's no there. lack of characters no in fact uh, I would say the movie versions of Avengers is probably Avengers Light <laughs> because if, if you go on the fan wiki page which is probably a 100,000 different posts uh, there are so many characters kind of like the Star Wars universe where there are so many characters that I don't know if they're in the extended universe or if they're ones that somehow people have created and they wind up in the wiki. So there are characters upon character stories um, for the Avengers. Uh, now, not to cut you off, but I want to talk before we take a break about DC. And um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I remember when the first Batman came yeah. out. I remember when um, I was completely enthralled with um, Chris Reeves as Superman. One of the best experiences I had as a kid, especially the first one, which staged myself, I remember seeing in the theater. And, you know, the little tear down my eye when he, he he's always in some type of situation where you're like, oh, he's dead. No, he's not. No. And uh, those movies were amazing. Uh, the Batman, the first Batman movie, was amazing. Yeah. And I remember going to the premiere. They used to have premieres. Uh, which were basically at every theater. Mm-hmm. So I went to the Continental, I believe, and the Continental uh, is a theater that I don't believe is around physically, but it's its uh, a parent company opened another one. Basically, the Continental and the Cooper were different theaters here in Denver that um, were incredible because you could go and, and see um, these openings, and they had all of the cardboard cutout characters, they had the special edition posters, all these different things, which, as you may know. Uh, they threw out a lot of them. Yep. So if you were lucky enough to either steal and or know someone who worked at the theater, they're worth a ton of money.
0: Oh, well, a lot of the times when I was younger, I used to actually get those because I would be like, "Hey, can I have that?" Oh, because I was that person to ask that. Like, yeah. sure, kid, just put your name on it, your number. Now you get to have this. <laughs> so I get a call later, like uh, you know month or two down the road, and then give us some I, box tops. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs>
1: that's that's kind of how that went. So my point is is that those two characters I had a. Uh, a vision of how they were supposed to be now i gotta tell you i am completely disoriented by the amount of superman versions superman uh superman as uh different interactions within the same universe with batman uh different batmans uh uh, ben affleck is batman (laughs) batfleck 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 as he's which i i guess that's uh i guess that's better than what was it uh what was he when he was with Jennifer Lopez? Oh, what he was, was a Daredevil, and that was horrible, too. Well, he used to have a, a name, a nickname, when he was dating, uh, not Jennifer Lopez. Uh, Jennifer, uh, no, I can't think of her name either. Oh, gosh. Sorry, guys. We, uh, <laughs> we sometimes, uh, uh, we're going to do a correction part of that to where we can actually, um, and, you know, keep talking about yeah. DC. I'm going to do a little research. So I think they did a
0: couple things that were really good so yeah like you talked about the christopher reeves uh, version of superman that was a testament of its time too like it it was just them trying to get their foot started doing like these comic book movies and christopher reeves i mean god bless him like he was an amazing actor and he was superman like and so with that idea a lot of people had a hard time when they came out with the return of superman to even accept that guy sorry to interrupt Benefer. (laughs) Jennifer
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck were um, known as Benifer. Benifer. So continue, my friend. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, now I'm going to think about Benifer.
0: But anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> no one else does <laughs> anymore. So yeah. So uh, so that was just like its own thing, and it didn't need, necessarily need to be in this bigger universe. Like it didn't need to be a part of, you know, the Batman universe. It didn't. Need, there wasn't really back then. There wasn't a whole lot of. It all being together. There was, you know, there was like the Super Friends, the Justice League. Those were together, but Superman in his own stories really had nothing to do with the rest of the universe. Yeah. Same with Batman. I mean, yeah, the Tim Burton, uh, you know, Batman and Batman Returns were by far, like, in my opinion, which, again, people will disagree and say Batman, you know, the Dark Knight was the best one. But I think those were the best ones. And, you know, just because that felt truly gritty, like, detective comic Batman. Yeah. Like, before... Of the shock value, what can we do to make this as you know dark and sinister? You know, the Joker was the Joker like he was in the comic books with Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yeah. that was amazing. Like his performance in that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, and it's
1: changed though because Mark Hamill portrays one that's a, very was, similar to the oh, new yeah. Joker.
0: Yeah, the animated. Yeah, he was the animated series Joker. Mark Hamill yeah. was, who's an incredibly talented guy and as a lot of people may not know he was all that's luke skywalker and he was a joker in anime and series which is awesome like that was a cool little easter egg for me that when i got a little bit o- older i was like i know that voice who's that voice oh my god that's luke skywalker yeah. He's also Joker. <laughs> this is awesome. total like mind blown mind blown
1: situation Fan-wise. so wise well um let's take a quick break and i will return with uh michael romero and we're going to talk a little bit more about collecting and I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, the fan experience at Comic-Cons. Um, and I, I do love to get people's input on um, cosplay. Yes. Which <laughs> is always a riot. It's always All right. A joy. All right. We'll, uh, we'll be back in a few. This is Robot Love.
0: This episode of Robot Love is brought to you by Bradford Design Group bold timeless interior design that frames life beautifully for the latest news and updates visit bradford design group on instagram using the handle at bradford.design.group
1: So thank you for staying with us. This is Brian Matteo Venegas, and we are back with Robot Love. And I am here with my special guest, Michael Romero. and We're going to talk a little bit more about collectibles. We're going to talk about cosplay. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Comic Cons, which I really don't go to anymore. Um, I am a graphic novelist, but I seem to go uh, to prefer going to some of the smaller ones like Dink and other other uh, smaller uh, publishing uh motivated comic cons around the country uh first of all let's talk about collectibles let's go ahead and wrap this up in the best way possible which is to just let you speak about collectibles your favorites uh what is what is your passion uh these things are very uh particular hobbies and these things um do cost money they're incredible (laughs) I, i i love everything you've got i don't have the attention span or the dedication to create collections like that, I've got a, a shelf full of graphic novels that I use as, you know, references and looking at, uh, uh, you know, story and pacing and, and how people are formatting them in graphic novels for my graphic novel. But just talk about your collectibles and let me know: a) what motivates you; b) why do you love being around them, and is it something that just as the whole you enjoy, or do you just pick up each and, and individual pieces and look at them and really just enjoy the the um the artwork within them so i'm going to pass it off to you yeah so for me
0: the collecting part of it is really my favorite collectible things to collect are comic comic cards um i'm a huge fan of the walking dead so that got me into some of that those collectibles so um i love negan he's one of my favorite characters and i have three negan bats sitting right there Um, of that Lucille Bats.
1: Sorry to interrupt you, but, um, for the people that aren't really familiar with this, this was a comic first, correct? Yes. And were you pre-television show a fan? Yes. Okay, continue.
0: Yeah, and I was actually, it was great to do it. So, so yeah, that was like, that's one of my biggest collections. Um, also one thing that people are, think it's weird, like Brian said at the beginning, I have Oakley cases and to come with it, I have a bunch of Oakley sunglasses. So I have stuff from... 97 on, like, I still work for the company. I, you know, I buy stuff. I buy glasses. I have a shit ton. Yeah. Um, I have, like, you know, over 100 pairs of glasses, and that's not probably what's out. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, like, your biggest question is, is, like, do I, like, uh, like do I go through and look at the stuff individually? I do, but more in, so, like, as we're in my vault, I look at it as, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um like there's like the statues that we were talking about that are in the Japanese style, um anime style. Those one that is a collection that I started collecting. Um I get a little obs- obsessive about collecting um when it comes to certain things, so that's why I never started collecting pop figures because there's way too many.
1: Okay.
0: Um a lot of stuff is just off one offers like um the thing in front of us is the four um covers of uh the first uh, first X-Men. And those are all signed by Jim Lee. That just I just happened to find that at a comic book store one day. Not a personal interaction. Yeah, just. not a personal interaction, which it would have been cool to meet him. He's an amazing artist. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of what I wanted to have in my house is what a lot of this stuff boiled down to. And then some were like, okay, cool, that's a piece I need, or that's what it looked like. And then really there's not a whole rhyme or reason to some of the stuff because you'll look around and see I have some Mortal Kombat stuff. And as you were saying earlier... There was a couple spawns that I have up there, too, that are McFarland that just happened to be exclusives over at at Toys R Us, and a lot of the stuff is exclusive. I like to buy exclusives, and just usually that's what it boils down to with a lot of the stuff that I buy. Yeah,
1: and uh, looking around, conservative, a few thousand pieces, including all paper products that are in portfolios and all posters.
0: Pretty close, I would say, yeah. I mean, even just, I mean, remotely, I'm... Looking into, you know, several, probably ten dollars $15,000 worth of merchandise in this room alone. Um, well, which just, Stan Lee has died,
1: probably. Even
0: more. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably under paring it. And not even the fact that I spent that much, the fact that I've acquired that value from it.
1: And it's an investment at this point. Our, our, uh, let's rephrase that. If you were to get to the point where you completely lost interest, then it becomes an investment. Yes. Right now, it's an interest and a passion, mm-hmm. would there be a time where maybe, well, it depends on how tight things get, um, are there pieces that you have as investments um, and that you would uh, part with for, you know, a, a profit? Yeah. So uh, to answer that, I would say definitely, like,
0: my uh, Bushijo collection. I would, okay. like, part with that because that's a complete collection. So mm-hmm. that's a hard thing for most people to find. Even over here, um, I have a uh, white Phoenix and they only made 500 of those. Okay. That one alone I've seen on eBay for eight to 900 On wow. on a low end. Most of the time I've seen it for over 1000 I actually got lucky. I found it on Craigslist from some guy here in Denver who sold it to me for like... Some uh, desperate individual. Totally was. <laughs> he pulls it out of his
1: trunk. By the way. <laughs> totally. It was just the greatest fight
0: ever. I was like, man, I really want this. I was like, maybe I should look on Craigslist one day. And it was the one that was on there. I'm like... I'll get, he was like, I want four. I'll give you two. I was like, all right, cool. I'll take it. Nice. All right, sweet. So it worked out for nice. me. So I think a lot of the stuff, you know, like that will go up in value. And especially even like the Death of Wolverine collection, that series will go up in value. Anything that's signed by Stanley will go up in value. And, you know, a lot of this is, yeah, it, it can be an investment for my family later on in my Heck, my kid, like, if he's not into this stuff, I mean, he's a baby right now, so we'll f- wait and find out what he's into. But, like, even my card sets, um, one of my favorite card sets is Marvel Masterpiece. And there's one set in there that I have by Boris Vallejo and Julie Bell. And that series alone was an extremely rare one that they didn't really... Promote a lot of which was interesting because they came out with Marvel Flare at that same that same year. Yeah. So it threw me off because it was the same style of artwork. Um. So when they came out with the Boris one, not a lot were produced and not a lot of people had it. Well, I managed to find it for a reasonable price because I was seeing it online for over a thousand. But you wanted it. I wanted it just because it needed it for part of my collection. Gotcha. And so again, I'm very. Like, I'm
1: very particular about having, when I start a collection, I'm going to have that collection. When does that end, these individual groups of things? Because there's thousands of things done for each category or or characters. Like, Wolverine Mm -hmm. could have 10,000 different items and collectibles. Um, So you're simultaneously uh, collecting different genres, different uh, universes at the same time. Um, Is there a point where you're like, I've got enough? Or are you always kind of ear to the wall What? It's a, that's a good question. I think right
0: now I've kind of noticed I've slowed down a lot just because, not even necessarily with my kid, because I I, still have the freedom to purchase things, um, as long as it's a reasonable price, (laughs) but I think a lot of it has to do with, like, do I have room for it, and that's where I think that's where I kind of hit my wall, is if I do have room for it. Um, Like I said, my Kodo collection, that one is complete, so... At this point, it's adding one every month, or, you know, one or two a year. Sure. Um, so that was not significant. Um, there was a couple other sets that I started doing, and I knew I had to stop um, just because I started – I got it really quick, and there was just too many involved in it. I was like, I'm going to spend way too much money. I'm going to stop now. Sure. So it's just it, – it, and a lot of people – kind of look at it as like an addiction but it's not. I was <laughs> going to say
1: I was going to say but there are people who are compulsive mm-hmm. um, memorabilia and collectible uh, collection. whether it's even like some Hummel figures or, or some uh, some Franklin Mint and I, I'm sure you don't remember franklin mint
0: no i do remember franklin you do mint. remember do. franklin
1: mint you know what a lot of people your age don't know
0: franklin mint but do you remember the commercials i don't remember the commercials but i remember like seeing pieces of it again something else and they're uh, like this is crap <laughs> no actually like again like this is stuff that like my mommy again she some of it's good some of it's weird it is it is yeah, and yeah. she i mean she has a lot of that stuff too like she even purchase a lot of mint stuff. Like I probably have a lot of stuff in collection yeah. that I don't even know about. Sure. <laughs> that that's sure. over at my mom's house where yep. she started collecting stuff from the mint, like, oh this is a rare quarter, this is a rare thing. Yeah. And so like I think that's where a lot of it came from was I either gonna have the whole breakthrough? Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: Bring it up the Franklin Mint. Bring it up to Franklin Mint. To Franklin mint. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's where,
0: you know, there's that piece of it too, just like where did it stop and where where am I going to stop, like you were saying? Um, you know, I don't know the honest answer where I'm going to stop. I know when it's enough. Because um, even just like as you see, like the art on my walls, I have a lot more of it put away. And again, originally I was d- thinking I'm like I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to move into it. I didn't actually plan on, you know, getting married and having a wife and a child. That was, you know, pre-Young Michael before I needed to grow up, and so I have, like, a lot of artwork. Back in your Toys R Us kids. Yeah, yeah. back in my (laughs) Toys R Us kids life. Um, (laughs) And I was just wanting to put, like, just comic stuff all over my house. Well, once we got the house, I was like, I can't do this. So I I could condense it down to one room, and whatever fits in the room, that's what I can have. So I have a bunch of stuff that eventually I'm going to, you know, I'm already looking into
1: selling and putting on eBay or having a yard sale. Don't look at me. I'm broke <laughs> <laughs> Not until this podcast thing uh, starts paying me and uh, paying the bills. Um, on that same note, when you have things that uh, you said some things you don't even remember having, or, you know it's kind of like a rummage sale when you're trying to move things around. You're like, oh, man, I forgot I had this. Now, my theory, and I don't remember where I heard this, but if you don't think about things once a month, uh, do you need them?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, I believe that we're going to move here in about four months. And, gosh, I've probably had 11, 12 apartments and our domiciles in the last 20 (laughs) years. And lately, the last two or three moves, I've really tried to eliminate 50% of what I have in boxes Mm -hmm. and whatever percent of the things that I see every day that I think are useless, trying to get things that are crappy like kitchen stuff or whatever and and, and get less things. Um, like kitchen for example, yeah. I will eliminate a lot of the plastic things that are obviously turning weird color and probably poisoning us um, and just get a few really nice things. And is that how you look at your collection uh, that you know, eventually because of space or time or money that you may just want some very select amazing items and maybe let some of the other things go? Mm-hmm. I think there is. I mean, there's a certain point,
0: point and I think I've hit that point, too, where I've just gotten where, like, I don't need anymore, And I don't necessarily know if I need to let it go because I have space for this stuff. But, like I was saying, a lot of the wall art I'm going to get rid of just because I ran out of room for it. And yeah. I really don't need it. I, I don't need it in storage. Like, it's just something that I could, you know, sell and make some money on. and. You know, I'm not looking to make a whole lot, but hey, whatever. You know, dollar is a dollar.
1: <laughs> yeah, a dollar is a dollar. And I know that um, uh, and I'm trying to transition into, and I'm a little late to the game of eBay. Mm-hmm. Do you have good experiences online buying things from eBay? Obviously, you got things off Craigslist. Um, do you have an eBay business? Do you think that maybe you could commodify this a little bit and buy and sell things?
0: If I had the time, yes. Um, I have a couple friends that are huge into doing eBay, and that's strictly their only gig that they do. Um, and that does take up a lot of their time, even though it just seems like it doesn't. But you have to come up with, you know, the description of the item. You have to come out up with, you know, if it's used, if it's new. Um, so I think that's a lot of it that takes up some time as well. And then also managing to see who's making your payments or who's, yeah. you know, who's who put the bid out there if they if they're going to pay now or. What that's all going to look like? How your beanie baby collection is in stock? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just have to know what that really looks like. Um, so I don't know if I would go the route of eBay. I've I've done a couple things where I've sold a couple things, but both situations I have were bad experiences where the seller tried to say I like and I and I was smart. I took pictures of the everything right away, where like I showed what it looked like what what box I was packaging in. I took yeah. a picture of me putting it in the box. How I boxed it and, you know, how I sealed it with all the, you know, popcorn and then also bubble wrap around the yeah. item. Because it was something I wasn't necessarily going to keep. And I, you know, I managed to make, I think it was like a pop figure that was like a really limited edition mm-hmm. that I found for like a Christmas thing. Um, and I put it on eBay and I got like, I think like, what was it? I got it for 10 bucks and I sold it for 100 That's not too bad yeah. of a margin. And so... After the, the buyer received it, they tried to say, say it was destroyed in the box. They said this was all destroyed, and I let them know. I'm like, you know, go through United States Post Office because if it was damaged during this way, I'm like, here's all the pictures. Here's proof that I didn't destroy this because I want to make sure because I like to CYA myself, <laughs> you know? It's already too much. Yeah. And, that was already, yeah, and that was already too much, and so it just became an ordeal. And I did it a couple times on eBay just selling stuff, and it just... Just gave me a bad taste in my mouth and my experience from buying from eBay. A lot of this, a lot of the statues that I've gotten off of there, I've gotten them off of eBay. Um, I have one that was a fake. I'm pretty sure. And so I you think... actually
1: jumped ahead to a question I was about to ask you. Yeah. Fakes. <laughs> do you have fakes? Yeah. So... Many fakes. Obviously, you have at least one. Yeah.
0: So I know I have have at least one. Um, and a lot of it, again, it has to do with what people always say. If it's too good of a price, it's probably fake or stolen. Or stolen. Yeah. I mean that's what happens on uh, at Oakley all the time. Like I always get people coming in uh, to the store. Hey, I bought this for thirty bucks off of eBay. Can you tell me if this is real or fake? I look at it and with as soon as they hand it to me, I'm like, I'm like, tell them sorry, this is fake. Yeah. And then hand it back to them, and then they're like, well, why? And I explain it to them like this is here, this is this, this is this, you know, and this is just not the right things. And so that, so I have that experience just from that uh, that side of just seeing how often that happens to them. And yeah, you know, it's every once in a while it's hit or miss. Um, Tell me your weirdest fake. My weirdest fake would have to be, oh man.
1: Are one of the most costly fakes.
0: Uh, I'm really s- safe on it to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm because yeah. like a lot of the stuff when I was buying Oakleys, like because again I know how much those are fakes online. Um, one of them that I spent time, I had to talk to the guy for. Probably like two weeks before I even purchased the thing, mm-hmm. um, he pulled the he pulled the um, auction off for me because he knew I was going to buy it. But I needed yeah. to make sure and ask him all the right all the right questions, trying to figure out if this is the right item. Mm-hmm. And he w- and you know he answered everything right, so it ended up being a real one. So that was the lucky part. But I think in these certain situations, like when I got one of the statues, um, like my Supergirl here, even just slightly looking at the difference between the two, so I have the con the com- or San Diego Comic-Con version of it, and then I have the regular version of it now, and the regular version of it's fake. Um, I can tell. Yeah. There's just slight differences, like the matte coloring, and, and when I received it, I mean, I paid 30 bucks for it on eBay. I was like, eh, maybe I lucked out. But I kind of assumed I didn't, only just because it was... normally they're 80 bucks, So I just kind of thought, like, maybe I did, maybe I didn't.
1: Whatever. Who does that? Who sits around and makes something that's actually convincing Yeah, from three or four feet away and goes through the uh, trouble and the um, expense of making it look as real as possible, why not just legitimately get things um, as they are new and use some common sense and, and invest in things that they can resell? I was, I'm was i always perplexed about people that create fakes. And, you know, I uh, being a graphic novelist mm-hmm. and, and going to school for art, I did have a few... Um, a few classes in in painting and actually a few units within those classes that were specifically on fakes and I'm actually obsessed with fakes fake art and fake paintings because some of these guys uh, you can just browse Netflix for most of these these particular (laughs) shows but it's intriguing to me that people can look at something and appreciate it and lull themselves into the idea that it's this particular artist now it emotes the feelings, the same feelings that the other paintings do that are legitimate. Mm-hmm. So the question is, and I bet you know people out there are going to be like, Brian, uh, I contacted you because you're a moron," which happens a lot. <laughs> but uh, uh, what's the difference? And you know, I, actually, with the rotoro, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be super happy if uh, people, if I would seen like fake rotoro stuff. Now, if people are signing rotor stuff. now there's there's fan art and there's other things so um we um we may be in in a whole different realm with discussing the fact (laughs) that fakes are as good as as originals but i guess what i'm saying is that the art that you experience if it's good enough to fool you and it's something interesting and you're not losing a ton of money that becomes fan art yeah um, and there are there's fan fiction and mm-hmm. there's all these different things. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. But in the commodification of these these uh, models, these are pieces of artwork, mm-hmm. and I wish that you could see this. I'm actually gonna um, post some of these online, and you can send me some of your favorite yeah. pictures of them, uh, because they really are astounding, um, and I do appreciate them on, our, on an artistic level, and I do also appreciate them on the way that. Um, when they first came out, they were so expensive. The first ones, the spawn ones, mm-hmm. that we all used to go, wow, I wish I could afford these. And now, you know, they're they're, they're pretty reasonable, and people yeah. are, are, are trading them quite a bit. Um, not to dwell on weird things, but what is the most obscure, weird, comic-related item you have? Most obscure, comic-related item?
0: Um, I would have to say probably a lot of, I mean... For a lot of people, they think my Lucille bats are weird. Um, mainly just because it's a bat with barbed wire from The Walking Dead, and it's covered in blood. So that's just a weird thing to people um, when they walk in, because I have like all these bright, colorful comic <laughs> characters. I grew up in North Denver.
1: You could find those in every alley. yeah, exactly. You know,
0: <laughs> sometimes I like to walk around my house with it. <laughs>
1: Especially my, if people know where the vault is. Protecting my home. <laughs> <laughs> Different podcast, but we'll yeah, get there.
0: I think that might be one. And then also I have a set of cards that's, um, again, from Boris Vallejo and Julie Bell. Um, that one's more of a mystical, like, fantasy style of cards than their mm. art. Um, I just appreciate their artwork. They are really good about making everything so the body is very flowing. They're very muscular or they're very tone. Um, their art's just beautiful. And they're two of my favorite artists ever. Um, they did a um, card with a uh, Professor Xavier, and it looked like a portrait. That's how nice. good. That's how good of an artist they are. And nice. so I would say probably that's one of my mo- most obscure that and some of the weird like cards that I have like down here. I have metal cards. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? Why not? It sounded like a good set to have. So I was like, all right, I'll get you.
1: And increasingly, as I look at the things that you have on the wall, and you and I have looked through some of your um, print portfolios, it is astounding to me that they continue as um, companies. Now, Disney bought Marvel, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as companies, they keep producing things that people love. Yeah. And it's a knack and it's awesome. And I think that, um, you know, you being involved with Oak League, you can tell that there's only so many types of sunglasses you can create, Mm -hmm. but it's having that particular um, knack for creating things that are just a little bit different than the last thing that make people um, want to collect more and more. And that's why sometimes I think collecting is an addiction because the people who make it or make an item, um, they can barely tweak something. And, you know, uh, one of the things is um, that I know in this case is Pokemon. And I remember when my daughter was that age, I, I think I worked a second job for Pokemon cards. <laughs> Not really an exaggeration. <laughs> and um, the entire concept of it, it's a card with a different character, and one may be a green version or a blue version, yeah. like any card. And uh, when you get down to it, she um, doesn't know where most of them are. And uh, Keely, if you're listening, please find them put them on eBay, (laughs) do something with them. So um, those are the weirdest things that that you have within your collection. Uh, We talked a little bit about um, how the experience of being at Comic-Con and meeting people um, was an amazing thing. Now, as we wrap this up, I could talk to you for hours about everything, but I want to make sure that people can kind of keep um, interested with what we're talking about. Talk about cosplay because every time I have um, either a comic artist Um, Or somebody who's into collecting or in the comic industry, I love hearing their opinions on cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what you think. Tell me what you you think is legitimate, dedicated, fan-fueled cosplay and what is... The other side of cosplay, which is just attention getting kind of uh, um, inappropriate or whatever. Oh, it is. so that one is just whenever they're out on the streets in a bikini. So, <laughs> and We're they're like, be I'm the Captain upper-
0: America. I'm like, no, you're really not Captain America. You're wearing a bikini that has stars on on it and a shield. That's not Captain America. I think a lot of it is really based on when you meet these people and actually see the detail of their costumes that's where it comes from um I've done a couple costumes myself for cosplay um just because it's just fun I did oh do tell Yeah. so my my first one was I did uh Tony Stark and so I did Iron Man so I had like the you know the arc reactor but I just I didn't even worry about having the Iron Man suit I had a suit on I had the my goatee going on did you phone it in did I?
1: <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. Because the I the, don't... the whole suit is a really big endeavor. But if you nailed that, sh- send me pictures. I wish
0: I had like I mean I look like you know Tony like when I was announcing I was Iron Man. That's cool. It
1: was pretty good. Like yeah. I
0: I even got like some glasses that look fairly close to it, and I went to like you know those were I will say not my only one of my only pair of, of non Oakleys, which <sighs> were sacrilegious. They pretty much went into a drawer right after that. <laughs> um, I don't even know where they're at anymore. But, uh... <laughs> nice. And so that was one costume. And the other one I did was uh, Old Man Fredrickson from uh Up. Oh! So I got, like... I spent, like, three or four nights actually making a styrofoam replica of the house. But it was just, like, a 2D house because I didn't have time to really make the full house. Yeah, yeah. But... And then I put some balloons on it. Had, like... Went, went to the thrift store, the Segunda. And... <laughs> Put really, on. <laughs> just like to get a like older gentleman like j- jacket so i did that so that was fun and it's just about the small details like when I, like because the biggest part for me like when i did that costume was having the ellie pin which was the little grape soda oh.
1: bottle cap for that
0: so i think that's the biggest thing for cosplayers like if you're a legitimate cosplayer you have these extra little things that People will notice, even like when I did a a few years ago, I did Wolverine just as a Halloween costume before before the Comic-Cons were out. Yeah. And for me, the only thing I needed besides, you know, having the claws and doing the actual outfit, the only piece I needed was the belt buckle from Wolverine Origins. Yeah. Which was an Indian Chief belt buckle head. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was funny because when I got it, I, I was all excited about it because I was like, oh, this is the one piece that I needed. You found it or you had somebody fabricated it and you bought it? I, I found it. Like, oh, it wow. took me a long time to find it. Like, I was on, like, a six-month mission. Like, uh, I was like, okay, there's got to be something like that exists. And I found one, and it was great that I actually found it. Like, I went to, like, thrift stores. I went to, like, swap meets. And it, I think I found it at the Mile High Flea Market. When I finally found it. Which is an interesting place now. Eggs. I'm sure. I haven't <laughs> been there in a long time. I want to go it's there. It's not how
1: we remember it. Oh, I'm sure it
0: is. It, yeah, man. It's been since that. Man, that was the last time I went there. But <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just this little tidbit of pieces of it that people will, like, if they notice, they're going to, it puts a smile on that person's face that who are the true fans are like, oh, I know what that is.
1: So there's a difference between um, uh, spectacle for spectacle's sake. And dedication to details for fans' mm-hmm. uh, sake, for, from a fan's perspective. And I really respect that. Um, side note, I think you probably know about it. I'm obsessed with it right now. It's the people who go into parks dressed as medieval warriors or fantasy LARPing. Elves. LARPing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> well, for those people who don't know what LARPing is, so um, live action – role play there you go that's a larp er someone who enjoys that now um if you can't imagine what it is uh if you know anything about dungeons and dragons it's based around you know there are some some items that these folks uh put on including uh swords some of them actually kind of real swords They, they go into parks they go into fields or you know here in colorado they'll go up into the mountains and you know, have these storylines. They have, um, they have their own handle. They have their own name. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Ron Jensen from um, uh, Best Buy is going to be Iron Claw Raven the Third, Elfin King of the Sword of, of White Mask. Oh, that's brilliant! Yeah, and they just keep adding on, adding on. And these people will actually go. And I don't want to say these people because I know some folks that do this, and it was tempting um don't tell anybody <laughs> but they go up and they just bang the hell out of each other with with shields and swords they have these personas that they've made up um they, some of them do magic and i've seen them go like, <laughs> like they'll, they'll move their arms and these guys all fall down oh you know here comes the spell um i think i uh the things that the, the pantomime yeah. i'm doing if you could see it is <laughs> is making the impression. Um, Tell me, A, do you know any LARPers? Uh, And B, um, any of your insights into things when people... Because it's taking cosplay to the next level.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: And they do fantastic work. So it is cosplay in a way. So give me some insight.
0: So I don't know anyone personally that LARP... So funny story is I was at a uh, work meeting. So we ended up going to a park. And right next to where we were having our meeting at, there was a bunch of people LARPing. And yes. it was the greatest thing ever. I couldn't even focus on the meeting at all. I was like, this is too good over here. I'm watching this. And everyone's like, we're over here. I'm like, this is over here. So I'm like just staring at it. Really, and just Mark more interesting than a meeting. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it was just amazing to watch him do that. And when I saw them, I was like, you know what? Good for them. Because, I mean, it's yeah. I think what a lot of people, when they think it's weird, is that they forget to be a kid again. And that's something, or like, a creative adult. Yeah, a creative adult, or mm-hmm. you know, just being able to have that childhood experience, or still having that child, like you know, notions to do stuff. Like it's okay to grow up and like you know, if that's what you enjoy doing, still playing, make make believe and pretend. Go ahead and do it. Like it's still you know, like furries. Yeah, you know, furries. You know, if they want to go do that,
1: that's their own de- deal. You know, which which, which which like which, furries. It's it's there are very um, dedicated people who have a completely um, uh, clean experience. Yeah, exactly. Clean by saying that there are furries, uh, for a little bit of uh, an explanation about what furries are, they're people, um, adults, who like to dress up in um, costumes that are a little bit like a mascot costume, but Mm -hmm. typically uh, different forest creatures.
0: Yeah, it's like an animal-human like combination is what it is. Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic characters. And... Yeah, that's just like yeah, it's a different. They feel like it gives them a different personality and different persona. And a lot of them are like you know very introverted, and they feel like that helps them become out you know extroverted. And you know, good for them. And also, you know what, if there's also like the whole sexual deviant part of it too, which whatever you know that's how it is going to be with everything I mean even like when we were talking about the cosplay part of it that's what we're talking about you know the scantily clad chicks that are just trying to get the you know or or guys too that are trying to get the um just attention the the attention is that what they can do in a sexual way in a sexual way yeah exactly and you know it's I think that's where what the difference between someone who is into it for what they actually do you know like you said there's these this giant group that you've seen you know or you're friends with that oh I haven't seen no, I'm, just yeah. I'm sure you yeah. <laughs> have. In, in pictures,
1: I, I watched, uh, you know, role models, so that's where I got the idea from. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, the, and the cool thing about about LARP, well, you just you just mentioned that you know uh, some of these these costume groups of people have have the, this a sexual side either um, in a an outrageous way or just hey, I met somebody LARPing or I met somebody at a furry convention, but you know, I would pay money. <laughs> To see LARPers start to date and, you know, <laughs> go into 7-Eleven and there's a montage of them sipping out of the same uh, big gold glass <laughs> and things like that, which, you know, I got to be honest with you. I am going to find, and anyone listening, and I'm going to post this on all of the channels that I'm on. In fact, you can listen to me on, on pretty much every podcast channel. LARPers, reach out to me um reach out to me on my facebook reach out to me at my graphic novel site rotoro r-o-t-o-r-o comic.com and just invite me to come and see what goes on invite me to to experience a little bit about how you make your personas and um if there is a king LARPer or someone in the royal family <laughs> of local LARPers, I will have you on the podcast because I want to know more. And as Michael had stated, the people who are legitimately committed to costume play, aka cosplay, um, there couldn't be any more of a love letter to the creative process. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because I've, I've had a few friends that are huge into it. One of them made an entire Master Chief outfit. Nice. like Which was awesome, and I wanted to learn how to do that. Like I can't even... I can't fathom in my skull or my brain like what the first step is to making these pieces. I would assume, you know, get some styrofoam or get some like, you know, leather or get some plastic or get some, you know, a visor, trying to figure out these pieces. But in my head, I I can't figure out how to put it all together. And I would love to do that. Like, you know, like I did the Wolverine, that's simple. Just get, you know, Mm -hmm. certain things for it and then I'm okay. But like doing that type of stuff, like even the Iron Man costumes that are legitimately workable that move, like good for them like being able to do that stuff and it's just amazing to me like the possibilities of them being able to do that like that's smart like i watch stuff on youtube all the time and i see all these different like uh, cosplay videos that are you know primarily because they want to get the audience about the girls but when you like they will show like the men as well and just seeing like both their costumes like even
1: some of the um wow costumes is like really amazing to me so um, I'm looking this up right now, but do you remember, before I have to look this up, the Stormtrooper documentary um, where basically people from all around the world uh, dress as Stormtroopers Yeah, and then oh. they organize into platoons. and um, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember what it was. Pardon us while I go ahead and um, look this up. Yeah, so it's it's basically something that is an all-year-round um, prep for an event that happens. And I can't find it right now, but in my uh, corrections, redactions... And additional information segment that typically follows anything related to um, items that may be uh, particularly scrutinized by fans of that genre of, uh, of the subject matter that we're, we're speaking about. There is a documentary that talks about people around the world who love stormtroopers, mm-hmm. love to create uh, stormtrooper armor. Uh, they come from all around the world, and I believe they need to be selected because of uh, the fact that they all need to kind of look like it's studio quality. Yeah. And they fabricate it exactly as it looks in uh, the Star Wars films. And it's an interesting thing, and there's crying, and there's emotion, and the, they were marching in a, in a oh, particular awesome. city, and guys were passing out just like soldiers. So one of the aspects about cosplay, and I've talked uh, to my brother about this, who was uh, had a, a long uh, Marine uh, Marine Corps career, is that there's something innate especially in um, in some of the recent um, uh, western civilizations about creating armor about uh, people who um, have to go into battle and create the protection that armor provides create swords Mm -hmm. Um, it's almost something genetic and innate that people and unfortunately it it is something that I believe is still uh, innate to people they need to, to create weapons and ways of defending weapons and having antagonists and protagonists and and representing things um good versus evil and i i really think that that's at the core of it and i i hope that um i can have a podcast where i can speak to people um, about why they do things there's so much emotion and yeah there's several pretty amateur documentaries about larpers and then there's one a little bit um higher budget but these folks just really want to um take their personality Create um, another character that represents the best parts of how they want to mm-hmm. portray themselves as um, as human beings. And, yeah, you know, for example, you know, if th- there are people that are are very spiritual and into these different realms of of herbs and crystals and metaphysical things, and they represent themselves as an elf. Mm-hmm. There are the other people that are really into um being athletic and crossfit and other other things like that and they represent themselves as like a beast master or, or, a, warrior the, or a warrior or something like that uh so in the grand tangent which is robot love i think we've covered a lot of things uh this episode i'm going to give you a little time to talk a little bit about what you want to talk about at the end of this episode whether it be cosplay whether it be collection or how you feel about uh um some of these comic books and um movies in general so give me a couple things before we go uh
0: trying to think really a lot of it is just i i would give some advice like with collecting yeah know what you want to do like what you want to collect um don't try to collect everything because that's not not that's not going to be possible that's not going to happen and if you ever want to get married (laughs) gotta know where to stop and put your limits or if you never want to get married then collect on collecting.
1: (laughs) You know, money can't, you can't take it with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And as a side note, um, uh, you're married, Mm -hmm. and uh, you have a completely awesome son, and you you. still collect, and at the same time, you're married, and you collect. How do those things, what does she think? She lets me do it,
0: is what it boils down to. That says (laughs) enough. She lets me do it. Um, I think a lot of it just has to do with that uh, she knew that coming into the relationship this was a part of my stuff and this is a part of me this is who I am I mean this is something I plan when Bradford's old enough to share with him like I think that's a cool thing and I, and I think that's like I think that's where the love for comics is and why people keep on sharing this love for comics mm-hmm. is it's like our own modern like legends these yeah. are our own modern lore Cause like you know in a hundred years, two hundred years in the future, they'd be like, oh, there was tales of this Spider-Man. <laughs> <And> the Spider Man, and Disney <laughs> rules the world. <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean, cause maybe that's how like even like Hercules started, or you know like all these ancient Greek like you know mythos came about that way. Maybe it was just a story that someone came up with, and then eventually be like, hey, I saw this you know written down, just like comic books. Absolutely. And so it's just cool about sharing these modern legends yeah to, our, to you know our, our generations our kids you know if my kid loves it awesome if he doesn't awesome do what you want kiddo like i want you know this would be something i would love to pass on to you because you know it was something great that my dad passed on to me and it, it, i felt like it helped shape who i am today and
1: you know on a more on a more um somber note your your father passed away yes and um do you feel that there is something intrinsically involved with collecting that connects you with your father and the good times with your father? I would say yes for certain things. I'll look at some certain um, pieces.
0: I mean, like like I said earlier, Ghost Rider. I'll always think about my dad when I mm-hmm. think about Ghost Rider. I'll always think about my dad whenever I think about Daredevil. Those are the two main things. Yeah. Um, those are comic books that he gave me um, years ago that when I look at, not even just those comics specifically, but... When I look at those characters, I think about my dad. So, yeah. So, and I think that's kind of a cool part that, you know, that is still around with me uh, with this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't walk in my room and reminisce about my dad. Like, oh, no. he taught me all this. But no,
1: it's no. this is a part of me. I, I grew into what I like. Yeah. <laughs> and, and who I am. And parents who yeah. um, let their children be absolutely creative and are not permissive, uh, but... Um, in my opinion, uh, share their passions that are almost kidlike. Yeah, and I think that's something that your father and and actually your mother by mm-hmm. by doing everything that she could to um, to get you some of these things that that made your childhood and, and also uh, my mom did as well. Uh, that being said, where can we be in touch with you? Are you interested with of people reaching out to you on social media, Twitter, Facebook?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If people have any questions or if they want to share their you know their collections with me. Um, I'm on Facebook, um, Michael Romero, on Facebook. Uh, I' pretty sure I have an Instagram, but I'll I'll give it to you later. I'm not if sure. you don't know, you do. <laughs> you
1: do, and you don't care. I do, and I don't care. <laughs> yes. I,
0: I recently. So again, part of some of my geekdom and weird and uh, weirdness. Um, the phone I currently have now is called a Red Hydrogen um okay. which is made by the creator who uh, of Oakley so I bought the wow. phone because Jim Jannard made this phone so I've been on there a lot lately with his uh with the app on there it's a 4d phone so oh. it it has like this uh 3d um like Instagram thing so I've been on there a lot so if you have Holopix, I'm on there Mike Romero. um yeah or if you have any you on Twitter I I don't think so once again <laughs> again. <laughs>
1: you don't care I might have one but who knows <laughs> well that's good to know if uh, you need to reach out to me once again there is a question and contact me form on Rotorocomic.com you can also look for Brian Mateo Venegas both on Instagram and you can also find me on Facebook now there is a robot love um, uh, Instagram page and an upcoming and Twitter page now I talk about Twitter a lot on my programs because I entered um, Twitter because everyone I met in the industry said if you're a graphic novelist or if you mm-hmm. an artist in general or if you're really into these things that you should enter Twitter, which I did and I got a lot of followers doing that and I actually talked to a lot of people, you know, got some rotoral fans in Great Britain and you know, around and, and had some really good correspondence and you know, I'll be posting this mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, It seems like it's not going anywhere right now. And if you do get on Twitter, be mindful that it may be something where you're like, you buy a game you're like, eh, it's too hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then you like either return it or give it back to Gamefly or or whatever you happen to do. Once again, thank you so much, Michael Romero. Well, thank you. This will be going up tonight. And this is Robot Love. I will be back next week. And you can join me, I used to say Wednesday but now it's usually the weekend. (laughs) So I guess the best way to keep track of new episodes, um, upcoming episodes of Robot Love is to simply subscribe to Robot Love. Like I said, I am on all major platforms. Um, If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or if you're on Anchor, um, which is where my main broadcasting hub is, um, go ahead and, and subscribe. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, cool. And if you want to tell me about things that you either like or don't like, please reach out to me. Uh, Once again, thank you, Michael Romero. And this is Robot Love. We will talk to you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Robot Love Podcast.
1: Remember to check out Brian's comic, Rotoro at rotorocomic.com.